Welcome to Wealth Well Done. Together, we'll cover a wide range of important topics surrounding money and the impact it has on our lives. From the sophisticated and highly valuable planning techniques of the ultra-wealthy to the commonly underutilized biblical teachings. Together, we'll work to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well. Here's your host, Eric Scoville. Okay, welcome to the 31st episode of the Wealth Well Done podcast, where we lean into the tactical, practical, and spiritual advice to help you do your wealth well done. Last week, we had Mike Goodad, Brad Brad Stiegel, and Isaac Bennett on talking uh, about lessons learned inside real estate, uh, how to approach the current market conditions and prepare for the turmoil that potentially is ahead, as well as get into the development that we are doing down in Belize. And so what we said last time is, you know, we typically in the show, it's all about bringing value, but uh, we did a different twist last week, which we actually brought one of our deals to the to the table and let to let people get to know what we're doing, why we're doing it, and give them a chance to get in uh, early enough to, to partake in this. So um, we're going to pick that discussion up just where we were last time. I'm um, going to ask a few more questions of you gentlemen, and then just to, to bring value to the people again, for someone who was who is thinking about getting into real estate or is already in real estate and trying to um, a protect themselves as we, we talked about last week or um, or also just how to how to continue to develop as an investor I want to ask some more questions uh, of you guys and then we'll get into some more stuff on Belize specifically so Isaac Bennett will you please start with a little bit you have gone from the single family rental all the way to syndication Will you and and you and that there's a long progression in between there. What was the the most valuable lesson that you learned during that that transition from an SFR to syndication? I think the most valuable lesson I learned is that I was pretty bad at most things, and um, really for me that transition was about formulating our business around something that we felt like we could do pretty well. So as somebody who has a lot of ideas, most of them bad, that. You, you know, I get told all the time to focus. And I think our version of focus was we're going to do one thing well across many asset classes and across uh, many types of real estate as well. So we're doing more than just real estate. But I think it was ultimately things I learned about myself, which was I probably cannot accept most common wisdom in this regard. It probably has to look like something else. Okay. All right. Um Next one. And, and again, just like I said last week, I was impressed, Mike, how I asked a question. You've never heard it. And you jumped in like we, we had a scripted answer ready to go. Isaac, you just did the same <laughs> thing there. So uh, these guys don't know the questions I'm about to ask. Um, so and you'll probably see by Mike's answer on this one. <laughs> it's like a test. Yeah, it it's is. like a test. All right. So Iron Mike, stiffest negotiator this side of the Mississippi, um, without giving away your secrets, what is the most important thing you've learned regarding negotiations? You know, I, I would say probably the number one thing relative to negotiations is to listen and understand what's important to the other party, right? Certainly everybody can go in and just make a low ball offer. And I've certainly been known to, to make some crazy <laughs> mic offers on things. And sometimes people say yes. But I think in the, in the, uh, the spirit of trying to create a split opportunity, uh, if you will, with the, the person on the other side of the table, I think one of the most important things is to understand what's critical to them, and then to craft um, a deal, 
It makes sense for both parties. Again, I think it's listen, craft, explain, and then move forward. Uh, yes, there's certainly, you know, the, the crazy mic offers, but, you know, some of those actually come with some forethought in terms of what the market is, what the market can be, uh, and then what's important to them as well. Okay. All right. Um, Brad, you have uh, developed, and then maybe I'll let you speak just a little bit about this, about REI. And, but so we'll have you explain that a little bit and then talk about what the benefit of the network is to you as a real estate investor or to anyone as a real estate investor to develop their, their network inside that, just that whole arena. Yeah. So, you know, when you just, when you think about the network and, you know, whether it's business or personal, whatever that is, just there's so much value in the people that you surround yourself with. And so it, I think it's back March, 2021. Is that when we started? Yeah. Um, I listened to a podcast on Bigger Pockets that featured Jamie Gruber talking about how he had put together a meetup in his uh, market up in Michigan and how how much value it added. And so I sat down with Mike and I said, you know, there's nobody doing that in Peoria. So what do you think about doing it? And so we we started off with our first one and we had, uh, you know, we had an agenda. We didn't really know what to expect. I think Mike and I talked about It'd be good if we had 30 people show up. Yeah, I think that was, yeah, we were, we were, we were upsides to 30 was what we were hoping for. And 80 people showed up to the very first Midwest RAI meetup. And so that, that just proves you that there's a a need for it, a desire for it. And the purpose of the meetups is just to help people. We, you know, our, our number one goal is to help people win big in real estate. That's what we say every, every month when we do them. So how can we bring speakers in that can teach? How can, how can we bring other investors together so that they can learn from one another and then how can Mike and I position ourselves to help younger people that are learning along the way? And so it's it's been it's been great. Uh, Mike and I have benefited personally from it as well because we've gotten deals brought to us that we otherwise wouldn't have known about. And it's just because of the people in the group. And it's been great to watch the people that have come to the group grow over the last couple of years and see where see where these young people are, you know, getting motivated, listening to the advice, and going out and making things happen. Yeah. And I might say it's not because it's not just young people, younger in age, but, but more younger so, investors, y- yeah. younger in the investment yeah. space of, of real estate and that they don't have the experience. You guys bring a lot of experience to the table. So people who have less experience, which is most, mm-hmm. um, they can grow a lot. And so at those meetups, you have there's a wide, wide range of people from bankers and real estate agents to contractors and other investors looking to get in from all different levels of kind of seasonality in, in their investment life. And yeah. what's interesting is not only just pure real estate play, people buying a duplex, people buying, you know, 20 year apartment complex. There's been some adjacent businesses that have grown out of that from relationships that have come together, right? There's there's a group that start, has started a moving and, and storage and clean out kind of company that I think that the, they're 22, 23 years old. There's a, a, a group that we affectionately call the Young Guns, which have, you know, 50 short-term rentals under management. They've also started to uh, to do their own uh, property ownership as well. And I think they're all of 24, 25 years old. You know, there's a gentleman, Weston Welton, who uh, is 19, freshman in college out in Arizona someplace. And he's doing, he's raising funds on syndication. So it's, and then we have, you know, old folks like myself, Real. You know, who are just getting into and trying to understand, you know, how to effectively leverage real estate as part of their overall investment portfolio. So we love, you know, the ability to give back and uh, and help create that community of, of folks. I think over the two and a half years, we've had close to 500 different folks come to the uh, to the meetings. So yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I, I would absolutely agree with that. I appreciate you guys doing it. And yeah. 
because it takes guts to put yourself out there. <laughs> and so thank you for doing it because you've seen there's a huge response. There's a huge need. Uh, last question, and then we're going we're gonna to jump into real estate. So Isaac, you already mentioned a little bit today. You've mentioned it in, in previous episodes as well about you know there's so many different businesses inside inside real estate and trying to figure out what you're what you're not as good at and, and offloading those what you are good at and and really leaning into those. Um, we've had Mike Morosky on here before talking about the just the extra margin that he created by by bringing property property management in house. Um, and it's not it's not a ton. It, it, it's certainly some, and it's worth it. But it's not a, it's not a it's not some massive piece of, of this. I should, I, maybe I shouldn't say that because I think overall it probably is. So I'm going to push the question out to to Mike and Brad here. What drove you to start a property management company? It wasn't the margins. We can <laughs> that with absolute yeah, confidence. Yeah, okay. Um, it was the control. We we saw the property managers that we were working with and property managers in the marketplace just not doing the job the way that we wanted to see it be done. And we felt like if we had control over that, those situations, we could do a better job. Okay. Uh, and I think in addition, in addition to control, again, it's nothing against any of the property management companies who are managing our, our multifamily in the past. It's just a misalignment of goals in terms of financial, you know, financial. Goals. I mean, we have a very strong passion for customer service for our residents and really being there to kind of serve our residents and serve our, and serve our staff and really take care of, you know, and, and really, Build, not build necessarily, but you know, kind of maintain and, and provide great housing in Central Illinois for for our for our residents. And in addition to that, as investors in these properties, we have a, a, a passion to increase the value of these properties. And you know, it's 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 not a hard game in terms of increasing the rents, driving down costs, increasing NOI. And that's really where we can kind of focus by giving good customer service. We can increase the rents. We can increase the NOI, which at the end of the day, real estate is just like Isaac was talking about earlier, cash flow, right? You value a property based on the net operating income and what the cap rate is and the condition of the property and stuff. So we are, we're able to drive a significant amount of value in the properties that we own by putting those processes and people and procedures in place to, to drive that kind of value. And for, you know, yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. All right. Thank you guys for that. So jumping into Belize now. And if you didn't, if you didn't watch last week or listen, I would encourage you to go back because you're going to catch uh, the whole lead up into what we're doing here. But but we're talking about a development that we're doing in Belize. That's uh there are three houses, two five bedroom houses and one three bedroom house, luxurious houses on a man-made peninsula um, on an island off the coast of Belize called the Ambergris Key. And the, when I say, you know, these, these man-made peninsulas, think of Palm Islands uh, in Dubai. And so very similar setup there. And so we talked a little bit about why Belize as an investment. Why would you choose that? And then, you know, it's English speaking, you know, which means the contracts are in English, which is a huge piece. There's, there's all sorts of these expat tax haven um, opportunities there. And we talked a little bit about, or I don't think we even covered this, of, of the, there's no fractional banking uh, here yet. And so there's a the likelihood that it, as that does come in, you're going to see property values increase as well. But that's certainly not something we are we're banking on. But there are there are tons of things that are you know looking forward that are are uh, make this investment even greener. But I want to go into the Mahogany Bay now specifically. So Isaac, will you talk to us a little bit about Mahogany Bay and maybe a little bit about uh, even Will Mitchell and his father and what their what the vision is there. Yeah, Mahogany Bay is the home of the first branded hotel on Amber Key. And so just think about that for a second. When I first went there, 
the, the Hilton inside Mahogany Bay was not even open yet. So I was standing on an island and I'll never forget a conversation that my brother and I had. And it's just funny looking back at these types of things. We were debating whether or not we had already missed the opportunity in Belize. And we were literally standing on an island with no branded hotels and not just hotels either. No restaurants, no gas stations, branded. Nothing that you might recognize living in the West. So Mahogany Bay was set up very strategically for investors. And that's why the Hilton went there first. So you're on the water. You can bring your boat in. You can have a boat slip. You can do whatever you want. You've got a private beach. You've got private pools, et cetera. But at the same time, every one of those parcels is an individually deeded IBC, international business. And the reason that that is important is because when you're trading properties within Mahogany Bay, you're not actually trading real estate. You're trading the business shares. And the, the reason it's set up that way is one, because it makes it easier to actually divide those business shares if you're going to go out and do it. And two, and most importantly, that allows you to not pay the 8% transfer tax that Belize has set up for real estate. So you're saving a huge amount on buying or selling by not having to pay that transfer tax. So you're actually buying an IBC and Mahogany Bay was strategically set up specifically to do that. Now that you're uh, now that we're well into this, you have three streets that are both Hilton Curio Collection, very high end hotel, and also um, the uh, there's a, a magazine as well. Help me, I'm forgetting that the name of the magazine. Coastal Living, <laughs> Coastal Living partnership with Hilton. There's three streets in Mahogany Bay that are that, and then there are several streets that are just basically custom built homes of which I've invested otherwise um, multiple times on other streets. So you've got this wonderful collection that is bound closely by rules that are tight enough to make sure that the, um, the the HOA stays very, very well done, but not so tight that you can't have creative liberty with the designs that you've done. So those are just some of the reasons that we've chosen MBB. Okay. All right. So we talk about, you know, one of the things you mentioned was you can bring your boat right up to it. And so these being man-made peninsulas, the beauty of this is everyone's on the water and you have a canal essentially between, you know, between each different street. And so the the one that we have chosen, <laughs> correct me if I got the words wrong. No, the, one, that's right. the, the one the ones that we, the 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 spot where we have chosen is the widest canal. It's, just, it's over 100 feet wide, so it's a large boat that you can bring in. Everyone's got their own private boat slip. <laughs> um, okay, so what stage is the overall development in? The overall development was two phases. You had phase one, which was eight streets, and then you have phase two, which is an additional eight streets. Phase one streets one through five are all built out. Six, seven, and eight are much smaller streets. If you can imagine, it's like a, a, a piece of pizza that gets smaller towards the end. So seven, six, seven, and eight are much smaller. And those are in the process of being built out. In phase two, they have just recently gotten to the point of putting utilities in, power and water. So you can actually build there and live there. So we're at the phase where phase two has just now, this in the last few months, had power put onto the streets. And you're starting to see developments happen in phase two now that they have power and can actually develop them. So phase one is about 80% built out, 70 to 80% built out. And phase two is just getting started. Okay. With the actual construction, but the majority of those lots have already been sold, sold off now. and so Yeah, many of the lots have been sold. We actually don't. We're not privy to, to what exactly is available. But I know for a fact that many of those lots in phase two have already been sold. Yeah. Okay, and they've appreciated in price 
pretty dramatically since when I started uh, since when I started buying, and actually quite a bit since we secured these these three lots as well. Yeah, you know, and, and Isaac doesn't do it just because he's always around the numbers and he's not around the fun. But you know, the other thing around <laughs> Mahogany Bay, sorry, Isaac, you know, it's <laughs> completely true. Anyway, is you know, Will and his team they've done an incredible job with the I'll call the common spaces, the pools, the, mm-hmm. the other accommodations, the different restaurants, the other things. You know, it's a it's a kind of a, it's very much of a plan vacation destination or really fun, interesting things to do both on site. It's a golf cart driving around sort of deal. So is, you know, so is the Island itself. Uh, in addition to that, you've got the beach club, which is a, a, an amenity that, you know, comes as part of being a guest of Mahogany Bay. So it's a really beautiful Isaac, you know, sometime when you get down there, you might want to open up your eyes and enjoy some of the, uh, some of the fun things to do like fish or whatever. So Brad and I are actually, actually heading down. We're trying to drag him down there on the fun. Track. I know. Hopefully it comes down there. So yeah, Brad and I are going down October with our spouses and uh, and some other folks to both see it from an investment side. Isaac, we'll, we'll take a look at from, but we're going to have some fun as well. Okay, so, anyway, you're, but, you're allowed to have fun on the That's right. <laughs> All right. So Brad, from your last time down there, describe a little bit about life on the key. It's just, it's relaxing. It's, it's surreal. It's so beautiful. It's so quiet. Um, and it's truly a, in a vacation experience that I've never had before. Yeah. It's, it's so much different than going to Cancun where, you know, you're at a, a big all-inclusive resort. It's so much different than any trips I've taken to Florida. So, you know, I, I would just encourage you to hop online and look at some of the pictures and you, you can see what we're talking about. And it, it's really hard to put into words. Yeah, the, the, the pictures are incredible. The first time I got on just on the Hilton's website, the Mahogany Bay website, and looked at those pictures there. I think that's when I mentioned last week that the fear of missing out uh, that you had instilled inside of me really kicked in. And I started looking at those pictures and thought that I could get in on that. Because normally when when you look at an investment like that, those are those are other people. Other people have, have gone and developed that and made this, you know, incredible I mean, property. You know, from a from a I think Isaac said, you know, did he did he did he miss the boat, you know, five years ago? You know, he, he's missed a lot of boats, but not this one particularly <laughs> along the way. But uh, I think that there's, you know, as I look at in, you know, real estate, you know, being the old guy in the room, right? God, heaven forbid we could have gone back into Florida 30 years ago and bought properties on Sanibel Island or you know, Tampa area or Orlando or wherever, right? And fast forward 30 years ago, we had all think that we were the, you know, the smartest people in the room because we had done that. And, and I look at, you know, Amherst Key and Belize that we're doing this development is, is really an opportunity for ourselves and for investors to get in on that very early ground floor of property ownership in a beautiful, beautiful facility called Mahogany Bay in an incredibly growing island, Amherst Key, um, I mean, I think they just announced recently they're going to be ha- having a hospital uh, on Amherst Key, which, again, is going to be one of those drivers of value and go forward basis. So from an opportunity to really plant your flag on a place from an investment perspective in a piece of ground, I think this is a great, great place for us to be. And we're, and we're privileged that Isaac actually has the history and the legacy for the last five years of working with Will and his dad and the other folks down there, developers, and he's probably learned a few things. You know, we're 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 taking advantage of some of the mistakes that he's made in terms of this project going forward as well. So I'm excited about it from that perspective. Well, you just touched on something that I think was one of the most compelling reasons when I first started looking at this to to do it. Um, oftentimes, when I'm thinking about getting into something new, I'll go talk to the oldest person I can find and say, "What do you think?" Huh? And um, that might have relevant experience in in this area. And when Blake and I, my wife Blake and I, first took this idea. 
you know, to heart. We went down there and stayed there and we're trying to figure out what in the world this was and why we felt compelled to go there. We took pictures and some of Mahogany Bay's initial renderings and things that they were doing. And at this point, it was a very different place than it is now. Now it's a fully operating, thriving community. You go there and you basically feel like you're in a community. Then not true. Phase one was about one quarter built out and they had like a street and a half kind of built out. Resort wasn't open. And we took these pictures and renderings and we showed them to my wife's grandmother, who was about 90 at the time. And she's had a place down in Key Colony Beach, Florida, in the Florida Keys for a very long time, as long as I've been alive. And we showed her these renderings and she just smacked me as she playfully does. And she says, honey, that's Key West in 1950. She said, you just, you just go buy property there and you'll just, you just, you just own it. You'll be just fine. That's Key West in 1950. <laughs> and I thought, that's really saying something. So just to Mike's point, this is really just about putting a stake, isolating premium assets in a premium location that we think has catalysts for years and years to come. And that's why we're there. All right, Brad. So how did you first hear about investing in real estate in Belize? I'm a big podcast guy. So it's always been listening to Grant Cardone, Bigger Pockets. Um, many of you have probably listened to the real estate guys. And I can remember probably for at least five years, maybe six years before I even knew who Isaac Bennett was. I remember them talking about doing trips down to Belize to learn about investing in this beautiful paradise. And I think they even do cruises. Uh, back in the day, they were doing cruises where you could go on a cruise to learn about Mahogany Bay and everything that's going on. And I've listened to them and I, I think, yeah, that's that's really cool. That's for the really you know, the big time investors that have a ton of money. And I, I didn't do anything. And so sadly, you know, I, I chose not to take action on that one. But then a few years later, I meet Isaac Bennett and he's talking about how, I don't know if you heard about it on the real estate guys or not, but he heard about Belize and he was bold enough to go down there. And he's been doing projects down there for a handful of years now. And so I just feel fortunate enough when, when he approached uh, Mike and I on whether we'd like to partner with him on Belize, I'd heard about it for all the years. I, I, I knew there's a lot of amazing things going down there going on down there. And so that's how I heard about it and just excited to be a part of a, a development down there now. Yeah. Can I actually tell a story about that? Because it, yeah, Brad's very kind. He's very, very, very uh, generous in, in the way he talks about this. But there's, there's really a story for why I ended up investing there. Is it okay if I share yeah. it briefly? So yes, my brother and I hear about Belize. I traveled all over the world at that point. I had been looking to do something that was more interesting than buying single family homes or you know duplexes in, in Peoria, Illinois. I'd been looking for an international destination. And when I heard about the structure of Belize, I thought that sounds ideal. That sounds amazing. What, where is Belize? <laughs> we figured out where it is first, right? And I found out it's not really very far away. It's basically Cancun, right? So we go down there. My brother and I go down there in February of 2017. And I'll never forget, we're touring all around this island. John Turley's taking us around. John's a good friend of mine. And uh, we're, we're seeing all these places. We saw Mahogany Bay last, actually. We've probably seen 12 or 14 different developments. And we saw Mahogany Bay last. And we're taking everything in. And, and on the last morning that we're there, John takes us to this little hole-in-the-wall breakfast taco shack. And, you know, our group was kind of large and it was a popular little spot. And so there was about 25 people standing around waiting on their tacos. My brother and I are just sitting there. And a local Belizean guy who may or may not have been homeless. I don't know. He was riding a bike. Uh, he, he's riding a bike up to us and he just stops and he walks right up to my brother. And we're like, hey, how's it going? And he's like, hey, 
He's like, uh, do you know the Bible? And I was like, a little. <laughs> and he's like, well, what about the Psalms? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, well, give us the Psalm. And I he said, like, Psalm 76. I spared him 119. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I don't, don't want to be here all day. And he recites whatever Psalm I said back to me word for word. And then he looks me in the eye and he says, you think you're here to make money, to invest and make money. And you will. But you're actually here for the Belizean people. Gets on his bike and rides away. And I was like, sorry. I was like, what? What was that? And I knew at that point that I was going to learn a lot, make a lot of mistakes, but I was going to have to be in Belize. I was going to have to invest in Belize. And that's why I did it. That's what gave me the boldness to do. Because I'm a really fearful person. And I'm scared of everything. But that's what gave me the boldness to go invest in a foreign country and figure it out. Mm. I really appreciate you sharing that. And obviously the, the purpose behind all this is, is bigger than making money. It's it's where God is leading us. And so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, okay. While we're while we're on there, let's just jump right back to you here. Help people understand the risk behind this, because I'm I'm American. I, I you know, maybe I, you know, I, I know like, you know, it's scary to go to Mexico or the place like that because, you know, people are gonna you, you just hear all the stories and what is it like to, you know invest in a property down there, that sounds risky. So help me understand the risk of it, especially, you know, we all of the hurricanes that are coming and all the destruction that just happened in Florida. Sorry, Mike, for, for your loss. Yeah, thanks uh, for bringing it up. Yeah. Um, so all of that destruction, why would I go invest into an island there? Help me understand the risk of the investment from an investor standpoint and also just the risk to the actual property. Well, the risk is is fascinating to think about. And I think that there are some structural advantages Belize has yeah, as compared to the eastern coast of Florida or even, you know, the, the western side if you've got hurricanes coming up through the Gulf. One of them is that the barrier reef, particularly for Ambergris Key, acts as a buffer for the island itself. How does it do that? Well, it's it's more than a mile off the island. And it is high enough that it actually takes the storm surge from hurricanes. So the island itself doesn't get storm surge. I mean, if it does, it's, it's mild. You know, maybe some docks knocked off, stuff like that. Um, now, the wind and things of that nature, of course, you could get a hurricane that could affect some things, but lesser than other areas of Florida or places that you might get it. The big one is, is they really don't suffer from flooding because there isn't the storm surge. That's huge. Yeah. The next thing is, is you prepare and you prepare with all perils insurance as to where if it does happen, if something like that does happen, you're going to be covered. And insurance has been relatively easy to get there. It's not the cheapest thing in the world. It's also not as expensive as most places in Florida. So you can have all perils insurance. When you look at the, separate the weather and the insurance and all that, it's, I think fairly well defined as what the risk is. And then you start looking at the investment itself. We haven't touched on this much, but Belize is a place where it's basically impossible to get a, a mortgage. You said there was no fractional banking. That's true. There's actually... I don't know if it's called reverse fractional banking, but it's you have to have X amount in savings at a bank just to have a percentage of that loaned out, right? So it's the opposite of fractional banking, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. And I believe one of the strongest tailwinds that could happen here is investors, bankers, et cetera, sovereign wealth funds coming in and actually offering the country better financing. I think that that would blow property values through the roof. And I'm I can almost guarantee you that will happen in time. It's just a matter of time. Here I am predicting the future again. <laughs> but the risk of the investment standpoint is there won't be any debt on this property. We're working with uh, developers we know. We're working in a uh, uh, a neighborhood that we know, a development that we know in Mahogany Bay. 
We are building concrete structures, which one of the things I've learned is that they're a lot more durable with the the high salt content water and, and wind that's coming out. So we're building concrete structures, which will hold up very well. These are buildings that will last longer than any of us. And we're doing it in such a way to minimize as much risk as possible. The, the last thing I would say is I think Mahogany Bay is the lowest risk place to develop in Bullies because it is so established. Will Mitchell, David Mitchell, John Turley, these people have Robert Helms. They've done such a good job of establishing a presence there and establishing amenities to Mike's point and other things to do that we just feel like we've removed a lot of the risk from the equation. There's always risk in real estate, but we've taken, to Mike's point about having been there a long time, done several developments, we've taken every step possible that we can to mitigate that risk. Okay. Thank you. To, to, to close us up here, Mike, talk a little bit about the the type of houses that we're building and why we're building those. Yeah, to, to Isaac's point earlier, right, we, uh, we're we building very solid structures, if you will, from a, from a physical Perspective. But more, more importantly, not more importantly, but uh, as importantly from the, the goal, which is right, you know, short term vacation, high end rentals, right? Uh, Isaac actually, uh, to his benefit, has uh, gone out and helped secure a, a couple of young architects. And these two ladies have just, they have designed these beautiful two five bedroom homes right on the water, like we talked about, and then the three bedroom home with the uh, um, key access in the middle. And, uh, you know, from, from a, a visual standpoint, from a marketing perspective, from a, an experience that our residents are going to have or the, the visitors will have, these are just going to be beautiful, high-end luxury homes to stay in, right? These are not little bitty villas. These are beautiful high-end homes uh, surrounded by the uh, the beauty and the luxury of being in Mahogany Bay with all of those amenities, with your beach club we talked about earlier. Again, it's just a really well thought out, thoughtful process that Isaac and the team have gone through. And then in addition to that, recently, we have secured the uh, the builder, the, uh, and I can't remember the name of the builder, Isaac. Uh, Zacharias Zippin is his name. Yeah. And, he, uh, yeah. and he's built some very interesting high-end hotel boutique uh, on the island as well. So we're very confident in his ability to execute in a very timely manner the, uh, the vision that we have and then be able to bring these to the market as quickly as possible. So we're excited about what we're building where we're building and the audience that we're going to serve and the return that's going to be able to provide from a, from a from that perspective. Okay. All right. Yeah. And certainly a unique, a unique uh, property that we'll have there amongst, amongst yours, which are all great properties. Just what we've done is, is try to make something that stands out there with these larger, uh, larger homes. So um, again, this police development here is open for, um, for capital raising $4.5 million raise is what we're doing. hundred thousand dollars is the minimum. Um, Isaac, really quick, what is the perk if you actually invest $250,000 into Belize? Yeah, this is a, a law that they've enacted. This is another benefit of being an investor there. If you invest $250,000 into real estate for a business, which is what this technically is, and you go show that to the Belizean government, it's not onerous. It's just your passport, you know, the proof that you've done it, the proof that you've left the money in Belize. Uh, you can actually become a, resi- a, a temporary resident and temporary, it's, it's actually permanent. You just go once a year and show them and you, and you can go there. So something like this is the perfect plan B to the types of things that we're seeing happening in, you know, in America and other places. If, if you feel like there's unrest or stuff that's happening here, this is an amazing plan B to have. And $250,000 lets you stay there indefinitely. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting from that standpoint. Okay. All right, gentlemen, I appreciate the wisdom that you've been able to share uh, with with our listeners. So again, if you want to understand more about this project, get into the details of, 
of what the cash flow is going to look like here and in other investment details, we would uh, welcome that as a private one-on-one conversation. You can reach out to me at eric at storehouseassets.com or go to our website, storehouseassets.com, um, or, or reach out to any of these three guys as well here. And we would love to share more with you on this, but we would uh, encourage you to act pretty quickly because we're anticipating this one to go, uh, the investment to fill up pretty quick. So thank you for your time and have a great day. Thank you again for listening to Wealth Well Done. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And together, we'll continue to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well.